couple of League of Ireland managers have cemented their jobs for next season. And then there's a certain Stephen Bradley, who might be departing the league champions if rumours are true. What do you think? Is it the right time for Bradley to move on? Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Cork City returned Liam Buckley to his director of football role. Stephen Bradley is rumoured to leave the hot seat at Rovers and are Drogheda United close to securing some investors for the club? Well, we'll talk about that now in a second. My name's Roy Shanahan and as always I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. And Nathan, for a few years now, Shamrock Rovers have dominated the Premier Division under Stephen Bradley. But if rumours are true, and some think they are, this might be the last season for him. What do you think and uh, can you see it happening? Yeah, it um, doesn't seem very rosy in the garden, does it, Roy? No. At the minute, uh, up in Tallaght. And a lot of this comes off the back of the most recent game, being uh, Shelbourne. There was a little bit of tip for tat even before the game between both Stephen Bradley and Damien Duff, which I think any time Duff was involved in a bit of a head-to-head in the media, it's always going to get a little bit a little bit prickly, if you will. But it was uh, talks on Stephen Bradley's future is the one that that's really uh, dominating the headlines. And the one that got us the most interested too, because it's believed that um, now talks on his future at the club in terms of contracts and also key players that will be our contract at the end of the season. Uh, there was meant to be conversations taking place, place with the boards, do you reckon, even sometime this week. But now those talks are believed to be delayed until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's no details really being ironed out as of now, where which obviously isn't ideal. Uh, I don't know if you see if you seen the uh, conversation that he ha- that Stephen Bradley had with off the ball following the Shelbourne game. No, right? I didn't get to see call. it. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the mail for uh, most parts, but probably the last minute is a little bit telling. But one, the one quote that seems to be popping up all the time, and this is from Stephen Bradley again, as I said, talking to off the ball post uh, Shelbourne game. Uh, Stephen says it's even harder to win when certain people are trying to stop you from winning, and that's. Uh, meant to be regarding people behind the scenes of Shamrock Rovers and I think a lot of this it's coming down to as I said uh, the contract situation with Stephen and the budget for 2024 mm. uh, in seems to be a big issue and I wonder a lot of that does it come down to the hybrid model that Shamrock Rovers do operate under that being the, the split between membership and an investor uh, now it is believed that the directors are Shamrock Rovers and obviously Dermot Desmond, someone that's uh, heavily invested within the club, are willing to remain at the current spence. But there is concerns around their European performance this year and not making the group stage once again and the financial benefits that do come with that. And speaking of the money, Roy, this is something that I just sourced down not too long before we jumped on. I think it was uh, Sun Sports had a bit of a breakdown of uh, of the revenue system and the money that was earned, money lost, and things like that. But what you, well, just I took out a couple of small figures if you don't mind. Just, just yeah, far away. Yeah, you have a bit, bit, bit of interest in reading. So Shamrock Rovers are still you have an outstanding one point eight million tax bill um, on the book that's believed to be from a COVID scheme that he would have took up during the pandemic, and obviously we do know that the intake from York this season 
came to uh, 810,000, which is a massive drop off from the 4 million that he made in 2020. So there is, they, they don't have that European leg up that they perhaps wanted to, even though domestically they are dominating. They look like they could be going for their fourth legendary league title in a row, but the European money just isn't there the way they wanted it to come in. Uh, and then I think, of course, another team you have to look at for 2024, and we're not going to hone any predictions to be mad to do that. But what we do know is you have Derry City, you have St. Pat's, you have Shelbourne that do have that financial backing already set in stone on the table, ready to go. And you're also looking at a Bohemian side that have that Evan Ebon- Ferguson deal uh, in the back pocket when that does go ahead. They're going to get a substantial fee uh, from add ons and things like that that was added into the contract when he left Bowles to go to Brighton. And come here, Galway United, we talked about them uh, last week's show. While I don't think they're going to come in and burst them the scene straight away in terms of Europe and the league, the Comer brothers are going to invest heavily in Galway to keep them and, and to make them a, 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 an entity for the foreseeable future in the, the Premier Division side of things. So there is the, the, there's definitely a lot of nerves probably uh, in Shermock Rovers of what is coming behind them also. And do you think that, Stephen, when I talked about Shamrock Rovers at the start of the year, I wasn't overly convinced by, now obviously they had made a poor start, but when they got rolling, even when they were on a winning uh, trot, I suppose, where they were going four, five, six, seven games with a win and, you know, they got themselves back to the top of the table. Watching them, I didn't think that there was, uh, when they went into Europe, I didn't think that they were as good as they had been in previous years. And there hasn't really been that, added player or player or two who you thought God this is making this team a hell of a lot better so has this been coming down the line as in the start of this season has Stephen not been backed properly and now they're probably he's probably being told you're probably not going to get too much we're going to have to let X, Y and Z go because they're costing too much and you're going to have to have a, small, a smaller budget and um, you know is he going to find it hard to to get a team as good as he had last year, the year before, and maybe that's the reason why he's going to jump. Yeah, because it's definitely going to be more pressure, as I said, from those behind them. And it's interesting to say that, mate, because you look at the Shamrock Rovers Academy too, uh, and look at the books, probably from 2020, 2019, and he did make a lot of money from player sales. Now, granted, a lot of that did come down to the Gavin Bazzoni move to Man City. But you, you can't really say that now, can't you not? Over the past year or two, from the academy system and uh, the, the feed he would have got for underage stars going abroad, uh, going to Europe, or even the lads over 18 going over to England. That hasn't really been the case with Shamrock Rovers uh, for the most part. And I think it's strange that we are sitting here, and we both said it multiple times about Shamrock Rovers this season, and whether that be the performance on the pitch, as you just said a few minutes ago, uh, the bad start to get off to. Like it's funny, this is the Shamrock Rose team that only lost four times in the league this season. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're putting it down to uh, a poor team. So I think for a couple of the reasons, they should keep the faith and remain on the Stephen Bradley train. Like, you look at what they're doing when he came in. There was a major decline when uh, Michael O'Leal left the club and the success that he had, even again, domestically, and he had a nice European once. Uh, when Bradley came in, there was a definite upturn in the fortunes of Shamrock Rovers, he got the fourth league title in nine years. You look at the attendance figures, but the biggest in the country, uh, within a grown stadium too, that's only going to improve the best stadium in the league, it's only getting better as well. 
And so Shamrock Rovers are probably in the strongest position they have been. Can I actually say ever? Is that a stupid claim to make? I don't I, think so. I, I really but, think it is. And I don't you, think. you look at the full structure. Yeah, I don't think we think they're the poor team either. I, I think that might be a stagnant team, as in I don't know if they're getting any better. I don't know if there's any progression. I don't think there is because, as I said, before the European adventure, we weren't really there wasn't really any confidence in what they might do in Europe where in previous years we did have that and I just think that on the back of that Stephen might say well listen I can't do any more with, with, with the side so so you know maybe I'll step on and, and take some time out which he may want or maybe he'll go elsewhere if Stephen did decide to drop out Another Stephen might be made available. Could you see Stephen Kenny stepping back into a Shamrock Rovers top again, I suppose? I think out of every League of Ireland club, they're, they're, they're the only really viable option for him to come back in in terms of, the, the, you'd imagine, the wage that he would have been granted. Um, I, could, I think there's no secret that we'd all expect Stephen Kenny to leave the Ireland role. Uh, after the the last friendly against New Zealand in November, would you you'd wonder from a Stephen Kenny point of view would he see Shamrock Rovers as unfinished business as, as much of a tour time he had there and then went on to Dundalk and pulled Dundalk out of doldrums and had went on to have, have the success that he did. So I think the storyline is there for Stephen Kenny if he wanted to go back into the league board. There's a club here that if they are going to stick to the hybrid model, you're not too sure. I always think that Dermot Desmond is there will possibly at some stage come in and just fully take over the club mm. and have them as the uh, field assistant for Celtic which is probably the worst kept secret in League of Ireland it's <laughs> no secret that that's something that's been looked at down the line but yeah I, I do wonder if there is a bit of unfinished business, unfinished business from a Stephen Kenny point of view uh, because of the poor time he had and it'd probably be a bit of a safety net for him coming back into a league that he knows so well and a league that he's been extremely successful in and as you said, it's, it's a squad on paper that as successful as we had been. It's gone for the four four league titles in a row. It's only been done once by Shamrock Rovers back in the 80s. Uh, they're eight points off. Doing that, they have four games to go. It's something that it, you'd imagine is going to happen. But it's an aging team. And it's a, a team that has either been drastically unlucky with injuries over the past two years and the recruitment just hadn't really worked out the way it is. And you've seen what Stephen Kenny done at Dundalk. He had a great eye that's a talent getting them in for relatively cheap and turned them into wall beaters in the League of Ireland. Looked the likes of Daryl Hogan, uh, Richie Towell in particular, where it was excellent for Stephen. Came sort of in out of nowhere into Dundalk and ran a muck in the league and then got his big move again in England and found himself back at, at Shamrock Rovers. So I, I think Stephen Kenny Wolf could possibly look at the Shamrock Rovers job and find it um, appetising and find it something he'd like to get his teeth into and keep him going on the run that he is. But most importantly, made them into a regular into the European uh, group state competitions. Yeah, but ultimately I think like that was a selling point of the Europa Conference League as well, Roy, wasn't it? When, when it came around uh, for League of Ireland clubs is if you're Shamrock Rovers and you're looking at Champions League group stage football, let's be honest, it, it's pretty much impossible. And even Europa League football is, is, is a bit of a stretch too far with the quality teams that have now come into that competition and are continuing to come in. So the Conference League a lot of us uh, involved in the league, whether it be you know, fans, uh, media personnel, players, whoever, they all would have looked at that as a more um, realistic opportunity 
to make it into the group stage of a major away for European competition on a regular basis. And it's just something that no League of Ireland has done at all. And while, again, going back to how Shamrock Rovers have been so successful domestically, surely the European exploits are, are high, high up in everybody's wish list of what they want to do next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm. I, they need to be doing that. They have to be doing that if they want to progress. Yeah. But if they're not improving their sides, you know, you can get players in, they're maybe as good as what you have or maybe a squad player you're not going to progress so every year you need to progress so I don't I didn't see how Shamrock Rovers made their first 11 better this year and I think that has kind of hindered them a bit if some players are going to leave and Stephen's going to leave and let's just say Stephen Kenny went in he would have to make that team a better team than it is now and what budget is he going to have so effectively that's going to help you know his decision is he going to be comfortable going in there he can't Stephen Kenny can't as he would be seen he hasn't qualified for anything with Republic of Ireland he was seen to have failed in the Republic of Ireland job he doesn't want to go into the next job and be setting himself up to fail again so he'd have to think long and hard about something like that for me Nathan Stephen Kenny I know we're going to kind of drifting onto Stephen Kenny a little bit but for me <laughs> Stephen Kenny can you see the job that he did with Ireland getting them a job anywhere outside of Ireland I think there would be could potentially be a place for him um, in Scotland and in the lower leagues of England uh, it's the national question we, we, we've seen it with uh, similar countries around us we want to say Northern Ireland and Scotland are on a similar wavelength to us uh, you've seen man just go in probably not do too well on the international stage and he will go into a job in the lower leagues but a lot of them man just uh, previously would have managed um, within the English uh, football league system that's why I brought up the SPLs like uh, for Stephen Kenny because he was there before again wasn't successful got to a cup final um, but, but with, with Kamarnock sorry um, but it didn't really work out and he got relegated the same year he got to a cup final too so, as I said, I, I think if we were to look, look at the League of Ireland, there would be that bit of a safety net for him. Uh, but you are limiting yourself with options in terms of clubs that would be realistically ready to come in and afford them and afford the budget that he's going to want uh, to work with to improve the squad. Funny enough, actually, right, when you brought up Stephen Forrest, I don't know why, my head went to Stephen O'Donnell when you were sort of transitioning with, you know, another Stephen going into Shamrock Rovers. Mm. Might sound stupid, stupid to say here with Stephen O'Donnell, considering that he had uh, he just had two great wins, uh, one in the Lowe Derby against their Arsenal draw it, and then basically Barcelona Cork City five 0 But before that, he had a couple of strings of bad results, in particular uh, one beat with St Patrick's Mission Park, and you know the tip and tip and tap between St Pat's and Stephen O'Donnell. Now at this stage, mm. at that point and following that game, there was plenty of unrest from the Dundalk fans on Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, in terms of recruitment players that he's bought and simply haven't been good enough for the standards uh, some tactical decisions he's made in terms of substitutions and game plans and the way he approaches certain games where maybe Dundalk should be the team that should be taking the front foot but he's happy enough to sort of sit back and absorb the pressure and see if he can counter-attack against teams below them in the league it's probably a bit of a quick transition but we would you see Stephen O'Donnell would that be possibly another contender for the Shamrock Rovers job or 
is he probably going to be lucky to remain in Dundalk? Because they're another side that's been underwhelming this season too. Yeah, I, I, I can't see it to tell you the truth. I've, I, what has he proved so far? So I mean, if you're going to get the job, there has to be some sort of. I can't see Shamrock Rovers putting someone in there who has been, you know, very average as a manager in the League of Ireland. I think they'll want someone with a bit of substance, whether that's someone who's within the league or someone, you know, from outside of, of the league, but has, you know, that kind of experience behind them. So that's why Stephen Kenny kind of sprung to my mind, because I just think he had that League of Ireland experience. He knows Irish players up and down the country. He's He is a good manager. He is, as in League of Ireland, he's a good coach, you know, so... I think he would he would like to do that job. Uh, I can't I can't really see anyone else for the Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, I, I could I apparently couldn't see Stephen Kenny dropping back straight back into League of Ireland football. I don't know. But looking at Shamrock Rovers and the approach they've been taking and a lot of the money they've invested in the academy system and, and the coaching and to bring in uh, a lot of former League of Ireland stars that have played for Shamrock Rovers into the system is that a route they possibly take in terms of hiring? Internally, but you have someone there in Aidan Price that is, is really rising up to the, to the coaching ranks. Could someone like that possibly be a name that yeah. they go with instead of, look, instead of looking yeah, elsewhere in house and you know keep that system going, keep it moving? Someone that knows the club, knows the ethos. I think it could so. Be a bit of a smoother yeah. transition. I do, I do. I think that's a, a very valid option. I think it, it could financially be a, a better option than looking for someone like Stephen Kenny. Um, so yeah, I th- I think they could do that if it's if it's not unsettling anything and they're happy with the way things are going. Why not do that? Uh, you just have to be sure that you're going to get the results, and they would have to be, you know, willing to back that person as well. Because you see it, and every team up and down, you know, Europe, if it's all about your recruitment, and if you don't get the right players in, it's a struggle as a manager. You can doesn't matter what who you are if you don't have players who are at a quality and for Shamrock Rovers that's the quality to win the league and to do well in Europe. Well, then you just won't win the league and do well in Europe. So it's as simple as that. So recruitment is is as important as the manager that you bring in. So, um, yeah, they could they. This could be start of a tricky patch for Shamrock Rovers, so it's going to be very, very interesting. Okay, listen, we're going to move on from them because uh, Longford, Sligo Rovers and Cork have, well, Cork kind of, have cemented managers for next year. Well, we won't see. We don't really know what Cork are doing, so we'll start with Cork. Yeah, it's been a manager-heavy episode. There's a couple of names there that we'll run through quickly, uh, as I said, after the Cork City one. So this was confirmed by the club itself, and it's um, regarding Richie Collins, who was assistant manager to Liam Buckley, who was the interim manager uh, since Colin Healy supposedly stepped down back in May. So Richie Holland will now take charge uh, of the Cork City uh, men's senior team until the end of the season. That means Liam Buckley, who again, as I said, was the interim boss since May, he'll now resume his full-time sporting director role, uh, which he took up, he took up in May. It was more than a week at the time. Liam Buckley coming in as sporting director, then had Colin Healy stepping down, then all of a sudden Liam Buckley had to step in to the Cork City hot seat. So everybody's original jobs are sort of going back to where they should be in terms of Richie Holland. Probably should have been given this role 
in the first place. Yeah, I'd Which say that, I'd say game. they thought that Liam Buckley had more experience in in the League of Ireland in this position and thought that it might just it might just kick them on, but that really didn't happen to them. No, it had the complete opposite effect, didn't it? Uh, and so now you're in a position where you have someone like Richie Holland, as I said, should have been given this job in May. It's not a good look for Cork City whatsoever. You have a Cork City team that, what we made so really 70% of the season without a permanent manager. Mm-hmm. It's really not a good look at all. No. They had Liam Buckley, as I said, in the role. He's received the opportunity to recruit several players which he has done you'd imagine that they were Liam Buckley players I'm sure Richie had a, had a hand in the recruitment drive too, too but now we have someone in Richie that probably has a couple of players that weren't necessarily his first choice uh, into the team I don't know that again now we're going to talk about Drotty and their uh, potentially ownership coming into it this is another case of Dermot Usher came in earlier on in the year a lot of happiness uh, excitement probably for the future of Cork City and it's just been disappointed in the work that he's done very early on as I said this is a decision that should have been made uh, back in May now Richie Holland has gone into this job uh, Cork City's fate it's pretty much sealed Roy isn't it they're going to finish ninth they're going to be in that promotion relegation playoff uh, there's not much Richie can do really to change that albeit you have the excitement of uh, an FAI Cup semi-final coming up this weekend but is this just poor decision making from the likes of Dermot Usher is, and the higher ups at Cork City Is this Liam Buckley getting the sack? Do you know what I mean? As a manager or, or is it Liam Buckley being asked to go back and, and do his job because it's a very very strange time to change the main man in a club and they have a massive don't even mind the cup the cup's great if they get it to the final great if they won it amazing can't see it happening though if they go down how long could it take for them to go back up again and, and that that playoff game is so it's, it's absolutely massive so that's why this is just a massive decision to change someone around right at the end so do you think he, he must have been unhappy with the way Liam was doing his business. Yeah, because when that decision was made for Liam to come in, because we were all very surprised. I remember being you were at the time and Colin Healy did step down. We were all surprised at the time and it sort of came out of nowhere. So it probably made sense for Liam to go in for a couple of weeks, you know, steady the ship until they get a manager in. But as soon as that came apparent that oh, that wasn't going to happen or they were happy with, with the, where he was there, that's when I think you moved Liam back to the job he came into the club for. Because mm-hmm. didn't come into Cork City become a manager he came in to become a sporting director and come here that's another role that we've talked about loads of times sporting director director of football he can be a bit wishy-washy in what he had and what he actually do on a day-to-day run of things but you have somebody in Richie Holland that's been around the club since the start of the season been around that group um, as you say of Colin Healy so he was just he was very ready to go so why make that decision now and look he's brought in already this week John O'Flynn and Dan Murray Absolute Cork City legends. They thought any Cork City fan and, and these two lads were darts uh, around the club. But they're coming into a group now that they'd be a little bit unfamiliar of in a perilous time of the season. Well, as I said, it, it's life or death for them now. Yeah. They're going to finish nuts realistically. And if you're looking at the odd makers, and for the, the general consensus favourite, it's going to be Waterford. They're playing in that, in that playoff final. And that's going to be a nightmare game too. This... This is a Waterford team that really could have walked that first division yeah. if it wasn't for just an absolute 
Galway United side that have just been on a dominant tear from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be hugely interesting to see how they turn out now for this playoff game. Um, yeah, they could be. They're, they're really risking a lot here. Um, maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they just feel that Liam, you know, isn't going to do the job for them, and they think it's time now to to make that change and, and prepare themselves for for the playoff game. So. Um, I think that was, that was evident weeks ago, Roy, wasn't it? I think that was evident a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, like listen, the, 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 best to look to Cork City on, on this decision. We, we'll only know at the end of this, uh, the, the next few games as well. So uh, we'll be discussing it more then, I suppose. Okay, uh, Longford, Sligo. Is there a bit of surprise yeah, here? Little, just a few little updates here about what we have. Uh, so Stephen Henson, Longford Town manager, is set to stay uh, next season, 2024 season. This comes courtesy of an interview he's done with Between the Stripes yeah. following the most recent game uh, to treat United. So I'm sure Longford Town fans will be happy with that. So sitting uh, the eight points currently of the playoffs, the three games to go, it's looking difficult that they're going to get into uh, the playoffs this year. But again, I think there seems to be happiness around what Stephen has done and what he can build going forward. Um, for Longford Town and potentially getting back up to the Premier Division where the Longford Town fans feel like they do belong. The one I did find interesting though, Roy, was regarding Johnny Russell and I put my little journalist hat on for this one. Uh, so this is definitely one that, that's in the rumour section more than confirmed but it's, it's been heavily linked here in Sligo that Johnny Russell is going to remain in charge uh, for the 2024 season. The management committee of Sligo Rovers are said to be extremely keen on keeping them uh, within the club and this is the one for me that is very surprising I think I've ragged on Sligo probably more than most clubs um, within the Premier Division this season that they really really poor this year and they're very very lucky uh, to, to not find themselves in that 9 play position like they're 8 to 9 points off, off that 9 play position with 4 games to go it looks unlikely it's, it's bar, an absolute Major cock up by then that they're going to get in there. They were dumped out of the FA Cup in the fourth round. That's a third time, uh, so three consecutive t- uh, years that that's had to happen to them. And yeah, and look, it's a club that's going to struggle going forward. As you mentioned, boy, you have the likes of Galway United that are coming up now in the Premier Division. And potentially you have Waterford coming up. And even Cork City, if they do remain in the Premier Division, there's three full time teams. And not to keep uh, beating an old horse and going back to the to past points we made but they're going to struggle if these teams are coming up and they're going to have investors that are willing to inject money in to not only improve the the, the first team and the players that come in but improve everything around the club much quicker than the likes of Sligo will with, uh, with fundraising so and look we're going to talk again we're going to talk about it in a couple of minutes that another club is going to be in and around them that will find themselves with a bit more cash in their back pocket to do these things. So I was surprised to, uh, to see John Russell there uh, that he, again, not been confirmed, but it, it, it's heavily speculated that he is going to be staying on uh, as manager for the 2024 season. And I was definitely surprised by this one. I thought it would have been time for him to to move on because he's another one that he's been there since the Liam Buckley days as the assistant manager he's been in and around the club a long time mm. I think stagnation has definitely started to set in with him stagnation has definitely started to set in with the club as a whole there's, there's a lot of yes men in and around the club that have just 
let small things go through the cracks and them small things build up in terms of it was always a, a nice ground it's it definitely fallen off the wayside but like a lot of the facilities has but uh, I really thought he could have done with a bit of a fresh injection and a fresh bit of unfit inside of always but apparently that's not going to happen and it's not like the whole setup isn't his problem as as I say our fault like he's only managing what he can manage and selling of players and the backing that he gets that's not you know he it's it's a problem for him but it's not his problem to deal with it's up to the board to deal with funding a team to challenge uh, in a premier division and there and for them it's surviving in the premier division and at the moment as you said it's clear to see that they're slipping down and uh, next year if not next year uh, the year after one of the next two years they're going to struggle and um, they're struggling at the moment yeah. as it is so um, if you bring in someone else does it make a difference maybe bit it might give you might give you a year but you know it has to be addressed everyone else is fun, getting themselves funded Sligo need to do the same yeah, definitely, because they're treading water now, Roy, and it's only a matter of time before they start drowning. Yeah. Some of the decisions that, that he's made this year in terms of selling on Max Matter the top goal scorer, which, look, that happens, you know, offers come in, they move them on. But then they're loaning out the number one goalkeeper to Wrexham Town, and he has not kicked a ball. Mm. I think he's towards four choice goalkeeper at Wrexham. This is absolutely baffling uh, decision to make in such key parts of the season. So, and again, I know that does not come to Johnny Russell. I'm sure it wasn't his decision to get down, get rid of his number one goalkeeper. But yeah, from first hand experience, while I'm not, not a uh, fan of the club, I'm someone that would know the club and around the club because of the location where I live. And it's definitely stagnating and it's definitely something that's going to have to be addressed. We don't know whether that should be something as, as drastic as completely changing the model in terms of getting away from the fan own ownership and looking for investors or if you take up a hybrid, you know, a half and half split or if it's just new members of on the board of committee or the management committee just to give a bit of a fresh eye and a fresh idea on it. I'm not too sure, but I think you will be concerned if you are a fan of the Bitter Reds over the next year or so. Okay. Well, if you're a fan of Drogheda or Drogheda Town, I was going to say, Drogheda United. If you're a fan of Drogheda United, uh, there's a little bit of positivity in the air, Nathan. There is, yeah. Um, Again, nothing here setting stone, Roy, but we do have a a big update, I suppose you could say, regarding the uh, potential investment coming into Drogheda United. And that's believed that the takeover by the US investment group, uh, Trivella Group, is imminent and this follows 11 months of talks between Travella and Drogheda United uh, a lot of this comes from the um, the chairperson of Drogheda United Joanna Bourne uh, having an interview on LMFM in Lewis again I don't know if you listened to it but I, it was really good interview 20-25 minutes and just took out a couple of the key uh, points that were spoken about so pretty much Joanna Bourne was saying it's 99.9% there, which they're in a really positive place regarding the potential takeover. And the takeover itself has been signed off by the FEI following meetings with Drogheda and Trivella uh, reps. And our, an official announcement is expected to come next week. So I'm sure look as soon as we hear anything, we're going to bring it up. We'll pop it up in the social medias. We'll talk about it here in the podcast. And when that announcement is made, 
I'm sure as we know by now, um, AGM emergency gentlemen meeting will be called, and that's expected to be before the end of the season, and that will allow the members uh, of Jordi United to review the proposed takeover and, most importantly, to be able to vote on the proposed takeover. So just a couple of small quotes here, Roy, if you just want to read them out. Uh, again, this come from Joanna Bourne on LMFM. She's uh, talking about that are at a stalemate. She believes that we're treading water and probably over-exceeding. And just to finish up, it, she believes that it's not sustainable for much longer. So it's definitely time for this to happen. It's something, we've, again, we've talked about a number of times here in the show. And look, we'll... Well, I'll always be honest with you, boy. I always seem to be, I suppose, hesitant when these things come in. You can talk about, oh, well, the FBI does a due diligence, but the FBI have also allowed a lot of jokers to come into the league and yeah. take over clubs. But again, look, we can only go off what Joanna Borna said here in this interview. She goes on to say that's a 10, 15, possibly even 20 year investment plan that a lot of the other uh, parties that she talked to were talking about quick turnovers you know in terms of they want European football very quickly where uh, the new investors coming in I believe to be in constant communication with them and even if there was a couple of times this season it looked like Trotter could be in danger of going down but was believed that that was, that was never going to be a problem they wanted to be there for the long term to improve the training facilities uh, for both the senior and underage squads uh, obviously to get a new stadium in place, that's a big sticking point for Jordan United at the moment. Again, this is another quote that I picked out I thought was interesting that uh, Joanna Blaze probably has the worst facilities in the Premier Division and it seems to cause a lot of complications when it comes to the licensing process mm. and also down the line they'd like to introduce full-time uh, football to the men's first uh, team. Again, probably unlikely to happen in 2024 but going forward that that's a real uh, sticking point for them that's what they would like to do so again we're probably waiting on the official announcement Roy so we could have much more details as expected it's probably a little bit vague uh, in the interview itself in a lot of the details and how they're going to go about it in fairness to Joanna she actually couldn't even name uh, Troy Bella Group uh, for legal reasons outright but it's it's heavily heavily believed that, that this is the firm that's going to come in and take over and it sounds it sounds like she's really trying to push it as well uh, with, with what she's come out with so I, I could, you could understand some people in Drogheda worrying about maybe an American investment company it's not too long ago that the team up the road had a similar situation about to say mate what happened the last time in America when I came into Lourdes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the track record isn't great is it so but if Joanna has done her, her homework right and what she says is true about the investment and it's over uh, a couple of decades that's something that would well you'd be positive about that and, and that it's not just someone looking to jump in for a few years and hopefully trying to make a a few quid or, or I mean, rolling the dice and seeing that's not working and, and jumping back out again. So if that's the case and she's bringing something to, you know, the shareholders that she honestly thinks is going to benefit the club over that amount of time, I, I'd be positive about it. it. It sounds like it's a positive thing. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh I know we're going to get the official announcement. I'm going to come on and rag about it. I know I am. I'm just, I'm always very cautious of uh, 
internal investors because I, I like, like I said I think that contingency plan by the FAI and the work that they do in terms of looking over uh, these investors it obviously doesn't mean anything because of the amount of uh, failures we had throughout the league but I really do hope I draw the annoyed like I do with every club I hope they do get the investors that they want that have the best interest of the club have the best interest of the people and have the best interest of the town or the city or wherever it may be so yeah, I'm sure, like I said, when that announcement is made, we'll be straight back on here, mate, talking about it and really going into the nitty-gritty of the details. Absolutely. Now, I'm giving you one minute on this, Nathan. Uh, a quick mention of the FAI Cup semi-finals. Oh, we can mention it, can we? No, son. I just want to give it one last little plug because before the, <laughs> uh, the crushing, the crushing, <laughs> the crushing, uh, Hard day of getting attention after a semi final, but yeah, look, big week, big weekend coming up here, Roy. I just said the FBI Cup main uh, semi final taking place. We have Galway uh, again playing Bohemians, as people aren't aware. That's going to be on Saturday, October 7th at uh, 20 to 3 kickoff. That'll be on live on RTE. Uh, and then to wrap up the weekend, we have Cork City hosting St. Patrick's Athletic. That'll be on the Sunday, the uh, 8th of October. Again, uh, 20 to 3 kickoff, also live on RTE. Also, I have a 20 seconds left, Roy. We're going to make a few quick predictions. I think we'll see a replay of the 2021 final between Bowles and Pats. Ooh, I'm going to go for Galway and Pats. Yep, that's that's my that's my prediction. Galway, Pats and Galway to win the cup. That's it. End of story. Yeah, it's more of hope, really, I think. You know, uh, not, that, not that they couldn't do it, but, you know... Yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see uh, someone different, you know, get their name on the trophy. It's been a while for Galway, hasn't it? Um, okay. Yeah, right. Just a quick little look into, into the personal life. I'm jetting off to New York in two days, and I think I'm the only man that's ever existed that's devastated going to New York <laughs> yeah. and not having a <laughs> Oh, they're definitely getting knocked out in the semi final, so. <laughs> oh, I'll be crying in some little crappy Irish turn an old bar or something over in New York and. Can they stick on it, RG player? Do you know that NFL? No one's watching it. Um, <laughs> fan question. Yeah, we got the fan question. A good slogan, man. Help us out this week, boy. Noel McClotes, uh in with the question. If you want to be like Noel, get them into us at the big kickoff. Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan, we'd love to have them. This is actually a very timely one, Roy. And I think it, was, it probably worked out that way uh, because it's, it's something that's well, it's in the headlines now, but it always seems to be in the headlines. Simply the question is, when will we see VAR in the League of Ireland? Well, the answer to that is hopefully never, I think. That's uh, exactly what's on my notes. Uh, and that's it. I, I just, when you see all the controversy that's going on over in England, this is not just last week. Liverpool fans thought there was the first ever decision uh, in VAR that went wrong. You get points of for going on about it. <laughs> um, it's 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 a weekly thing, and yeah. it's not for me. It's not helping the game. I don't think it's helping the game. Yes, it's getting no. some decisions overturned and and get and given the right decision. But is the percentage any different than having a referee there making a wrong decision about an offside? The, the handball is a, an absolute joke at the moment they, they're not getting the offsides completely cor- correct and I don't know I think they're looking to try and give pe- penalties and fouls and red cards and uh, for me VAR kills the game I'd rather the game without VAR 
Yeah, um, amen to that. Like, this was brought in to get away from controversy. We probably had more, I'd arguably say, controversy since the introduction of it. And it's also been used as a crutch. It should be there to sort of eliminate the human error aspect of refereeing because it's a fast-paced game and they've only one set of lawyers, but it's, it's everything. Everything's being reviewed. Everything's getting, like, nitty-gritty detail. The complete um, benefit that was gone over and it's... it's has definitely killed it from an English point of view. Like the goal goes in, you're not even enjoying it. It's just always second guessing, looking over your shoulder. Will he give it? Will he not do it? I don't think I've ever would have said this to me life, Roy, but thankfully, uh, the FBI probably won't be able to afford yeah. VAR. They bring it in, like the, the, the tech and the cameras that that requires, say, be mad. And you probably don't even have the facility to do it. So, without cutting this question short, and this is actually something that I sort of want just quickly just to, to jump off the back off. So, let's just say theoretically, we were going to somehow find the money uh, and, and put VAR into the League of Ireland. Why don't we be- invest that into refereeing? You know, you, you have a standard again of refereeing in this country that's been constantly, and rightfully so, being constantly criticised because it's, it's, it's regularly not up to standard at all. But you have referees that, that are in small fields, maybe expenses if they're doing well, and they, that's the, the standard you're probably going to attract if you want to professionalise the full standards and, you know, give referees the best option of staying in Ireland. Perhaps that'd be the way it's going about it. Um, and like, that could come in with majorly improving the training aspects and the, the qualification costs that go into refereeing this country. I think a massive one uh, has to be having an independent performing analysis, mm-hmm. not having somebody that's familiar within the FEI and familiar with, with, the, um, with the officials and, and things like that. I think it has to go independent about it. Because as I said, it, it's been an awful standard. Look, I'll always, I'll be the force as a fan to be critical about referees. It's an absolute tankless position. And even when there is a good referee in performance, you never hear about it. No. It, it really is the most difficult job. And they're not being paid enough. And I think if they're not being paid enough, it, 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 like it's mad, it, it's a glorified hobby, Roy. And this, that's a, probably a stupid thing to say when you're talking about uh, ref, refereeing the highest uh, the top tier of Irish Met football mm. and it's because of the small fee and the expensive it's a lucky that, that's all they're getting over for such a, a, a timeless role and I think again all hypothetical speaking if there was ever be an opportunity f- to bring in some sort of technology I'd like VAR I'd rather see it be invested in the education and the assessment of refs long term and even getting away from like, a hypothetical situation it's something that just should be done. It's time. It's definitely time to invest in refs in the League of Ireland because it's not a new issue. I'm sure there's fans much, much, much older than me that have I've seen just the constant poor standard of refereeing in this country. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I do think that if, if there's money there, goal line technology is something that has always been solid. Um, yeah. bar, bar one maybe mistake that happened before, but it's it's really... Uh, 99.9% solid so goal line technology is, has always been there uh, to be used um, so if we could afford it that should be in everywhere I just don't bring VAR in you know spend money more wisely and, and go elsewhere really VAR shouldn't be in the game if it's not in everywhere and yeah it's, a lot. I think it's, it's not it's not helping uh, you can see the way that it's, it's not the VAR is the problem the VAR is showing it, they've actually made as you said it's a crutch and now refereed standards are dropping drastically 
because they are not willing to make decisions. And now the VAR people are, who are referees are making decisions and they got even more time to make a decision and can't. And that just highlights the standard of refereeing at the moment. They're all afraid to make decisions. Uh, they're all as nervous as hell. So I don't think we need it. I don't think we ever want it. So I, I'm not, I really do hope the VAR goes away because I think it's a, it's a whole load of nonsense. I, I was quite happy with uh, the mistakes that were being made um, and you'd get away with one one week and, and I'd get away with one the next week. Fair enough. That's that's the way it is, you know. Uh, the offsides, offsides, offsides. If you get if you get caught offside by linesman, you do. And if you don't, you don't. That's the look of the draw. So, uh, Yeah, we, we don't need to go into the nitty-gritty of like oh, half a cubic here offside. Like, no, so it drives you mad. Yeah, it's, it's taking all benefit, the passion benefit, out of the game. Yeah, benefit of the day will have to come into it as well, doesn't it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's not what you're expecting. Compare it to the rugby all you want, but it, it has not worked for football. And it's a completely different system anyway yep okay we're going to leave it there uh, VAR never entered League of Ireland stadiums please uh, thanks very much Nathan for uh, joining me again and uh, using your wealth of knowledge Nathan to uh, make this show worthwhile uh, thanks very much for you for listening and I hope you're with us next week